Welcome to another wonderful Good News Friday show with Adam versus the man. 35 stories today. Too many to sort. We've got human optimization. We've got mask civil disobedience. It's kind of a special thing I wouldn't otherwise, I wouldn't normally include in a Friday show, but Delta Airlines, this one's a little personal at this point. So uh, we're going to get into that. We've got the fastest object ever built. A 240-pound fish in the United States and an on-off switch to control inherited genetic problems. Yeah, welcome to the future. And it's funny because this this week we saw lights in the sky. Like, oh my, like, wait, is that you? Oh no, it's is that UFOs? No, that's Elon Musk. Yeah, we covered that. <laughs> and then last night, I suppose. I suppose at some point Jim's got to play Patrick's video of uh, his his UFO footage. <laughs> Pat's got UFO footage now. Uh, they were they went from UFOs to IFOs uh, over the course <laughs> of his video. Unidentified flying objects to very very identified, very identified. flying objects. But yeah, there was a, there was a moment Joey and I were were looking up at the sky the other night going. Or was it, was, was it last night? The it second last night. night. It was the second night. Yeah, so last night we were looking up the sky going, this is a thing now. It's, they were more spread out. Is, is it they get launched and then they go higher and higher until you like barely see them? Over, I mean, we'll, we'll figure this out. We'll come back to this. But we've also got CJ and Cash Jackson join us from a quick update on their Elon Musk IFO sighting. And then... Uh, I guess let's uh, let's get to Jim for producer notes. It's Friday, bringing back the bong. It's uh, do do we have the button ready? We've uh, also got Di Mary Jane in studio co-hosting today. You better be ready for this one, Jim. Um, I'm, I'm I'm clicking as we go here. You got me off guard. I was gonna save it for when we brought her in. It's a good Friday. A lot of good news. Well, that's funny. See Snoop with his head like misaligned on the frame there. We still don't have this as a button that's just there all the time. It's going to be like, I don't know, how often are we going to play that video? Like, I don't know, every day, maybe, maybe just every day. All right, Jim, this is what the problem. Every day. As often as the song gives us the instructions as to how often. <laughs> Smoke weed every day and play this song every day. The lyrics are kind of incomplete. They should say that, though. Yeah, and play this song every day while smoking weed every day. <laughs> uh, so you can join us at t.me forward slash Adam versus the man. As he said, we got 35 links today. It's possibility we may not get to them all. It's a possibility we will get to them all. But either way, you can have fun by joining t.me forward slash Adam versus the man and becoming part of the public conversation. Uh, G.I. Mary Jane is going to announce a contest today. And when she does, somebody is going to participate. And if they win, they're going to win access into the private producers club. 
which is one level cooler than the public producers club or the public channel that we mentioned. Uh, if you don't want to worry about winning a contest, you just want to buy your way into access. You can go to the website that has everything, adamversusdemand.com. Click on the Patreon link. We have one, five, ten, and fifty dollar levels. Ten dollars a month is the sweet spot that'll get you access to the private producers club as a better patron. Once you're a better patron and a member of that private producers club, you can shop the shop at adamversusman.com. You can get anything you want there at 15% off and free shipping. So that's a great deal. Definitely take advantage of that. Don't forget to click on sort by latest so you can see the newer items we're posting on the site uh, and get your 15% off of free shipping for being a producers club member. Then click on Cigar Federation. You can shop that website for all your exotically flavored cigars, including a CBD infused cigar they have. And you can use promo code Adam10 at that website to get 10% off of your entire order there. So it's a great deal. Check that out. Um, Instagram, lots of new pictures and videos going up all the time in Gardenia. Check out the new puppies. Uh, this one is Thelma, I believe, just relaxing. Living the life up in Gardenia. You got Gardenian sunsets. That's actually from the neighbor's place. We were walking around uh, the neighbors with the dogs, and their ridgeline has that really cool view with the trees on it. And those are all natural. None of those trees are even groomed up, bonsai like ours here. But Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. We, we might beautiful. be buying that land too, hopefully. There's the OGs, uh, Blue yeah. and Maryland. Gotta yeah. love them. So anyways, uh, you want some great pictures and videos, Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. Great content there. Get yourself connected. Uh, the Crypto Six, the Bitcoin church that was raided not too long ago. Those guys still need your help. These are the different uh, QR codes for different cryptocurrencies you can use to donate to them. While the cryptos are climbing, that will definitely help those guys out with getting legal advice and legal help and getting their situation taken care of free from the state. Lastly, GoGreenEnergyOnline.com, great website for anybody that's looking to uh, get themselves self-sustained with solar power, micro wind power, zero energy homes. It's a do-it-yourself website, great resource for all the information you'll need, uh, videos on zero energy homes. So definitely get yourself connected with GoGreenEnergyOnline.com and uh, educate yourself on self-sustaining living. There you go. All right. So before we get to GI Mary Jane here in studio, let's check in with CJ and Cash because they have a, another lights in the sky story. Morning, sir. Good morning, CJ. Good morning, Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, uh, Adam, so if you missed yesterday's Adam versus the man, you might be a little stupid today and feel a little bit dumber. But we all have lessons to be learned. Uh, uh, Adam, let, let me begin by saying, number one, I am a veteran with no combat experience other than, you know, maybe a brawl or two. But combat, I've not been in. This man has been in combat. Okay. All right. Fair. So if, if we were to say, you know, have any sort of an enemy presence anywhere, it would be this man I would look to, you know, for guidance. Right. That's I am older. Terrible idea. But I've not been blown up before. That's a terrible right? idea. I would look to this guy in that moment. And when I'm summoned by my mother running into the house, screaming, <laughs> y'all come look. Y'all come look. Come outside. And I'm like, what the shit's going on? Now, mind you, I had, been, I had a uh, 
certain mask attached to my face and I was taking some breathing treatments, you know? And, <laughs> and so I was in the, already in the moment of something and quite deep into it. Talk about, you know, you know, you can talk about cannabis on Adam versus the man. We are, you know, we're not, we, we, we don't said, said breathing treatments. That's it. I, I mean, you know, just, you know, in case there was some attorney out there that wanted to use that against me in a custody case, which happens, you know, that, that happens, right. So, I had some lavender herbs that I was that I was, um, you know, kind of working through when my mother comes frantically, frantically yelling in the home to come outside and look into the night sky. And as I burst out near my pool area and I look up, look up to the sky and there is a stream of lights like, <laughs> yeah. like gigantic tracer rounds one after another woof, 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 through the sky. Jim, you've got and the I'm, like, Jim, I'm like. Jesus Christ, it's happening. They're actually here. It's actually happening. I'm like, get the guns. Go to the National Guard. Warn everybody. It is. It was pandemonium on Cash Jackson's farm last night, Adam Kokesh. And it was because I had not tuned in to Adam versus the man. Yeah, yeah. Life is better when you're paying attention to Adam versus the man. No, but this is, this is our generation's uh war of the worlds moment right remember the the, the was it 1920 something radio broadcast where they thought that like it was it was it was a radio drama that if you didn't hear the introduction you know you thought was actually a radio broadcast of an alien invasion are you looking this up joey no i gotta find this out when was war of the worlds but this is this is much less dramatic. Like the the actual wasn't that like an actual event that was the movie was based off of no. the Battle of L.A. or something. That no, 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 no. It was um, it was the the radio. Um, okay, so there's the film, there's the 1897 novel, but there was um, it aired on the radio and it freaked out. The radio. Everybody. When did the radio thing happen? 1953, no, broadcast history. It's Orson Welles, War of the World. The 1938, that's it, radio drama version. Yeah. Anyway, so Cash, how did you figure out that it wasn't Aliens? <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, that one. I think it was uh, CJ's wife, Kendall. <laughs> I think she was the first to tell us uh, – Sorry to burst your bubble there, fellas. You can slow your roll and drop the guns because it's <laughs> just Well, SpaceX. we didn't know it first either. When Joey and I were watching this for the first time, we're like, could that be aliens? Both of us were just- What about for all the people that didn't know? Look, <laughs> but you know what gave it away for me? That they weren't spaced out evenly. They weren't even in a perfect, like aliens from another planet coming here if they get all the way over here they're gonna know how to cover and align their shit this was well, like no, i don't know 2021 shit i don't know hey look maybe, look maybe they were smoking weed between because they were <laughs> traveling west to east and maybe maybe it had worn off by the time they got from you know the west coast to here maybe they're effects had worn off and they were driving in a pretty straight fucking line i'm here to tell you across the sky if you're in the producers club we got the video i recorded about three minutes of what we saw 
and uh, breaking it into into three minute parts. You can kind of see it from our <laughs> yeah, perspective. Yeah, we should watch Pat's video instead, Jim. Well, do you have right Pat's now, but Pat, video? But, but, but Pat was, but when we listened to Pat's video, that was us. Like, holy shit, the aliens are here. <laughs> and then it was then it was then you hear Adam in the background. We talked about this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're in the cabin, Joey and me are in the cabin, and we hear Pat yelling from across the property. You got it, like, like he believed he could tell, like, okay, so that's so, so now we know what Pat will sound like when aliens actually show up. Like, that's okay, good. We can test, like, and there's not much more. Uh, okay, so Jim's got the video ready, roll tape on that. Oh, for Pat? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Check these out. It's a whole line of fucking UFOs. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> hey, look outside! <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Can I zoom in? You wait till you get to Adam's part. Hey, you can it. hear it. Oh, shit. Trying to learn to zoom. <laughs> Look at the sky! <laughs> There's a whole line of them. There's like 50 of them. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's the exact same shit we said. That's funny. There were 60. Look at the sky! Look up! Wait, wait, wait for it. Hey, come out here. Look up at the sky! Look at that shit. There's a shit ton of UFOs up there. Look, UFOs in the sky to your left. Oh, yeah, they're not in no space. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good, Jim. That's they're good. Satellites, but they're not in space. Bring it back to us, Jim. Back field. Holy cow. But yeah, that was that was that I think he captured a very genuine yeah. feeling, feeling that yeah. a lot of us we were got experiencing. The, the same thing. So he's not alone. You're not alone, Patrick. You're not alone, Patrick. Yeah, that's this is our generation's war of the world's moment. Oh my god. Hey. Well, well, look, okay, remember too, it wasn't that long ago that they released and you know, the DOD footage where Navy pilots interacted with UFOs, that was pretty recent. So if you got that piece, but you missed the whole, we're going to strip. Look, I heard he was going to launch a satellite, right? Like I was aware he was doing something. He was doing some Elon Musk shit. I didn't know we're doing like some war of the world shit. Like there's going to be like a whole, like a fucking caravan of them, right? I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. We've never seen that in our lifetime, Adam. Yeah, yeah, something. no, this is like, hey, wait, CJ, check out on your telegram. But hey, there was there was something else that was interesting last night where they were passing across the sky where you could tell they were catching sunlight or something like the, the angle at, at a certain point from, from where we were standing, like they were they were catching the sunlight and it was like they would pat it was. They're they would pass through would this bright. point. And they would get, it would blink bright, and then back wow. to dim. And it was wow. it was really kind of like 
Is there a check? Mm -hmm. What is that? A checkpoint in the sky? <laughs> wow, that's crazy. There's no telling. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's crazy stuff. But anyways, know. we had to give right. we had to give the report. So hey, it was a good it was a good alien invasion drill. It was a great you know, <laughs> analyze what you did right, what you did wrong. Go back, lessons learned. Right, we've got a lot of weak areas we have to work on. So if they're going to do this again, hey, we're going to be prepared. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Adam. <laughs> All right, Cash and CJ. Defenders of planet Earth against the alien invasion, should it come. All right. Uh, we're working on getting Joey access to the comments, I having to jump in them. at the last minute. I just can't pop All right. Up. So we're going we're gonna to get that. CJ is now available to help Joey on that. But until then, Joey, what is our comment contest for yeah, today? Well, ironically, today is National Space Day. Did you know that? And we saw the the aliens. The National event. Space Day. Today is National Space Day, the first Friday in May, according to Google. And we saw lights what, in the what, sky. What, 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 what? what is National Space Day? I don't know. It's National Space Day. Like Earth Day, you know, like it's, something we're supposed to do stuff. What are we supposed to do for space? Is it like, I mean, preserve space? Like Space Conservatory Day? Like go plant, plant a galaxy? Like. Like Arbor Day, you plant a tree. When it's Space Day, go plant a universe. I don't think that's how it works. Like, what are we supposed of, to it, do? It's kind of like Day? Memorial Day for for astronauts and and oh and, 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 oh. And, uh, dedicate the first May first Friday in May to the extraordinary achievements, benefits, and opportunities in the exploration and use of space. The goal of the observance is to promote math, science, technology, engineering, education to young people. It's it's for the kids to Who's learn. Who's behind this? Um, the government? Aren't they behind everything? <laughs> Bringing me to the combat, combat contest, I want to know, <laughs> I want to know what, how does Gardenia meet the visitors when they land? What's that one sentence that we officially say at Gardenia when the aliens land below? Yeah, yeah. So there's a good chance that if aliens are watching and they're looking at Earth and they're coming, and they go say, "We want to join. We want to make contact by acknowledging the most peaceful nation on Earth, the only successful micronation that is the embodiment of the non-aggression principle, the Garden of Freedom, or the Great Constitutional Propertarian Republic of the Kingdom of the Garden of Freedom in Perpetuity." Uh, titles, titles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, perhaps the aliens would come here first, right? So you want to know how would we, because we, we know when it's the American government and the Israeli government going, well, of course, they, they talk to us first because we're, you know, no, no, no. Yeah, quick mm, one to two sentences. Mm, what do we think? Yeah. No, take me to your leader. <laughs> All right. Well, jumping into the headlines today, we're going to start with something a little sort of unconventional for a Friday from CNN Politics. Alaska Airlines bans state lawmaker for her continued refusal to comply with a mask mandate. And it's like, oh, I, hey, <laughs> I did that a week ago. An Alaska state lawmaker who had called flight attendants mask bullies and clashed with airline employees on video over mask rules is now banned from Alaska Airlines for continued refusal to comply with the mask policy the airline said in a statement. Well, you know, I didn't actually do any of that. I really made 
the token effort to comply with the letter of the law and only had my mask off when I was seated and eating or drinking and still managed to get banned from Delta Airlines. The restriction on Republican State Senator Laura Reingold will make her job more difficult. Alaska Airlines operates the only regular flights between her home north of Anchorage and the state capital in Juneau. The ban meant Reinbold on Saturday had to drive more than 14 hours, including a portion of the trip through Canada and take a ferry to reach Juneau on Monday, where a bill she opposes that would extend Governor Mike Dunleavy's emergency powers during the coronavirus pandemic is scheduled for action. As she said on Facebook, she has gone to new heights to serve Alaska. I am keenly aware of the monopoly in air transport to Juneau that needs reviewed. Nothing could get in the way to be in the Capitol to fight executive branch infringement on the legislature and defending your rights by trying to stop HB 76, which is on the Senate floor tomorrow, she wrote. So this is for her, her continued refusal to comply. And, you know, this is I, I'm I'm torn on this and I always want to go air on the side of respect for private property, right? Like when it's Delta, it's like, okay, you can set the the rules in your own airline, whatever you want to do, whatever your customers feel that they need to be safe, to be what to be comfortable flying. And I mean, but why is it that masks are the things that stay, but social distancing goes? Yeah, I mean, I'm just there's so many problems with this. I'm I'm, I'm kind of done talking about. I'm mean, like I'm over COVID, right? We've talked about it enough. I just thought it was a fun thing to start off our Good News Friday, aside from the lights in the sky and the Starlink War of the Worlds moment, to see that this is uh, that there there is someone at least in government. There are these voices. There are people fighting back, and I'm not saying that like, oh yeah, this is the reason we have to. You know, look forward to humanity progressing, but at least there is some check on runaway government power because there are people and uh, who raise a voice of opposition. And it, it, there might not even be that check if it wasn't for this whole spectrum of resistance of all of us working together, pulling against the institutionalized injustices of our day in government. But what is progressing humanity? is the newest, fastest object ever built. CNET.com, NASA Solar Pro becomes fastest object ever built as it touches the sun. The Parker Solar Probe was clocked at over 330,000 miles per hour as it zipped through the sun's outer atmosphere. Nothing built by human hands has ever traveled faster than NASA's Parker Solar Probe a diminutive, scorch-proof spacecraft about the size of a small car is practically touching the sun. In late April, it smashed two wild space records, dethroning the previous champion, which also happened to be NASA's Parker Solar Probe, and its journey is really just beginning. The probe, which launched in August 2018 on a mission to study the sun, has been flying ever closer to our solar system's furnace using the planet Venus as a slingshot. On April 29, during its closest approach to the sun, known as Perihelion, Parker was traveling at an almost unfathomable speed, enough to circle the Earth 13 times in a single hour and set two new records. Fastest 
human-made object at 244,255 miles per hour, but now the fastest human-made object, 330,000 miles per hour. Everything okay going, uh, with Joey, with common access? What's what? Well, our CJ and like I don't know cash is like hitting the gong or mm, something. There's some really great comments. Come like, on, yeah, let's Craig, get these comments up here, Craig people. Said, hey, what's Lee, happening? Got any weed? Can Jim Lewis? get you out? Why is why is CJ needed to get you access and Jim can't get you access? I'm not sure. Neither one of them seems to on? be seeing my messages. You guys. All right. Oh. Help! Ding, 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 ding. Anybody home? We need comment access. All right. Next story from the Daily Star. Humans could erase unhappy memories with groundbreaking new neurotechnology. The memory editing technique called decoded neurofeedback or DECNEF was created for the treatment of PTSD, but some critics say it could potentially be used to implant false memories. A radical new technique to target and erase painful memories has raised, raised huge Ethical problems, says a leading neurologist, because it threatens to artificially change a person's personality. The memory editing technique, which is called decoded neurofeedback, or DECNEF, was created for the treatment of PTSD. It uses an electromagnet similar to an MRI scanner to measure various changes in the brain, such as the level of oxygen in the blood. The data gathered by the scanner is sent in real time to an artificially intelligent imagined learning agent that maps which areas of the brain are active when particular memories are stimulated. And this is actually really just a, a whole other angle of brain reprogramming. And, and I think that's really uh, a, a better way to describe what humanity is doing right now that we are on the verge of being able to, I mean, we've been doing this in a sense, this has been the whole human optimization of evolution, right? To optimize our brains, to be able to, I don't know, as uh, I think Kurzweil called it, we're just the uh, biological bootstrap for AI that's then gonna populate the cosmos and take over and make us irrelevant. But there's something inherent about the human will inherent in life that no device created external from that can replace without at least being a product or a manifestation of that will. Up next, LiveScience.com, world's first multi-node quantum network is a breakthrough for the quantum internet. The move to a three-node system is a quantum leap in network design. This is some out there stuff. Scientists have gotten one step closer to a quantum internet by creating the world's first multi-node quantum network. Researchers at the Q-Tech Research Center in the Netherlands created the system, which is made up of three quantum nodes entangled by the spooky laws of quantum mechanics that govern subatomic particles. It is the first time that more than two quantum bits or qubits that do the calculations in quantum computing have been linked together as nodes or network endpoints. Researchers expect the first quantum networks to unlock a wealth of computing applications that can't be performed by existing classical devices, such as faster computation and improved cryptography. Now, some of the things that this makes possible are just beyond the realm of what we can even think of right now in terms of like the application of this. Right now, 
with the technology that we have, we talked about Starlink download speeds the other day that we've gone from being able to stream video where you can watch a video in real time to like, oh, you download a movie in two seconds where you go, well, that becomes irrelevant. But remember, we showed uh, last week that we are on the verge of practical holographic telecommunication, that you will be able to beam a 3D image of yourself across any digital connection, perhaps even over the airwaves, over radio frequency. And that kind of technology is going to be, uh, with quantum computing, perhaps widely available, something that happens in an encrypted way where, I don't know, maybe with this we get pushed into matrix pods. Hey, we've got comments. First domino, we should make a weed link. The Starlink? That's just that. All, well, I guess that's what they call it. But weed delivery drones. It's coming. It's mm -hmm. coming. Don't worry. We have as as, as every Friday I, I we have, have drone stories. I've seen a video of weed being delivered by drone to a gentleman wearing an unfortunate ankle bracelet that is circulated around. <laughs> I'll have to find that. <laughs> All right, Daily Star. So wait, do we have any alien greeting comments yet? Anywhere? All right. Well, in case yes, aliens land six feet. Myers. I guess Myers is the alien's name, but six feet. We got COVID down here, aliens. Myers is the alien's name. The weird alien. Is that is that a reference? That's oh, that's Patrick commenting on YouTube. And Craig, hello, aliens. Got any Yeti space weed? <laughs> no, no, no. Hey, oh, no, no, no. You got you got tricking me. Did you guys bring the space weed that we ordered? <laughs> You're not a cop, are you? You're not a cop, are you? You're a space cop, are you? Daily Star. In case anything happens to us, we will uh, we'll have convincing AI able to represent us towards the aliens. New wave of AI sex robots. Hard to distinguish from living, breathing, orgasming humans. AI sex robots could soon be hard to distinguish. Yeah. Uh, warns of social media friends being replaced by chatbots. That's kind of interesting because we've seen artificial intelligence writing news articles, right? Remember last week we read one that was an investing advice. Okay, Jim's going to put boobs on the screen. Uh, are there was are they boobs? <laughs> if they're are they boobs? Plastic? Like, is that... They're still boobs. I mean, if this you is. You can't milk them. Are they boobs? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, fucker, you can milk anything with nipples. <laughs> cool, wait, that's I got the line backwards, isn't it? <laughs> can you milk? I have nipples. Can you milk me, fucker? <laughs> well, we are. So AI it can write news stories now. And we're at that point where you can tell, like, we, we could, I, we, even with today's technology, it's just a matter of programming and implementation to say, let's have news camera, have cameras everywhere and AI write the news. And at some point, humans are going to get bored with that or we're going to somehow get, like, brains hooked up directly to this. Man, how fast is this coming? It's hard to say. But now if you have in a, your, your social media, right? If all the news stories first that are being shared are being shared by or are being written by AI or edited by, by AI or filtered or curated by AI. And then those chat bots, you know, maybe they become like, how many people do you know? Like if you're active, I mean, Facebook is such a cesspool of bullshit. You know, how many fake profiles 
how many you know Russian controlled pages and bots and CIA and blah blah, blah you know all the, the government troll farms the, all the big governments are doing it it's not like oh yeah it's the Russians be afraid you, know, the, the, all the you don't think the NSA yeah, yeah. has a troll farm you don't think the uh, Chicoms have troll farms of course they do they all have the same incentives you know mean motive and means motive and opportunity. Right. All right. So back. Yeah, I know you guys back to the sex robots. Right. AI sex robots could soon. All right. Well, the, 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 the title of this article just repeats itself like three times. Professor Rob Brooks said the digital lovers will be among three types of artificial intimacy provided by machines this century. The academic wrote in the conversation 21st century technology such as robots, virtual reality, and artificial intelligence are creeping into every corner of our social and emotional lives, hacking how we form friendships, build intimacy, fall in love, and get off. At first mention of artificial intimacy, many people's minds may jump straight to sex robots, lifelike robotic sex dolls that could one day walk among us, hard to distinguish from living, breathing, orgasming humans. All right, I know we got comments on this. Outlaw Ninja, we're programmed from day one to be tools for the establishment. No, that's even down. Are you saying that you're a sex robot? <laughs> we're all sex robots. We are wage slave sex robots designed to reproduce obedient wage slaves for the machine, right? Ooh, that's a scary way of putting it. Uh, but I, I think with the sex robots, I mean, Joe, you you asked like, are they if they don't make milk, are they really boobs? Really Patrick good. again. Lorena Robot. <laughs> Robotit. Ro 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 how did you say it? Robotit. 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 Okay. Uh, <laughs> Terminator. Terminator 4. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, okay, I imagine for like female, okay, so like men as the sexual initiators of the species, right? Primarily, I know that's sexist and heteronormative and cisgender normative and all that but generally yes men is the initiator uh, of sex of the species and, and and physically more active right the uh pitchers rather than the catchers as as they say in some communities uh you, but men have never had a problem fucking inanimate objects you know like the, the fleshlight the hand you know you're, you're having sex with a not person one way or not, an inflatable blow-up doll, you know, um, isn't there like a, there's a stand-up bit where, where the line is, I will give you life, you will give me love, I wish I could attribute that properly, right, but it's like you're, you're basically trapping your own breath in order to have sex with it, yeah, men, and whereas women can just what flick the bean and it's kind of like it's 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 neater it's Look, less it's not that easy it's less animalistic you guys think it's that easy. And, well <laughs> the thing is i i with men it was trying to simulate the the female role with a sex robot there's a problem of like liveliness and responsiveness sure right from either side like well no 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 because the other side when it's a male robot it's like is it going to hurch you uh, yeah. a, I mean, a robot penis thrusting well, into you like they already have robot penises they just don't look like humans yet well the full mechanics of the of the the male physical act of sex trying to capture that in ro i mean i'm sure 
programmers have already figured this out. Like there's all sorts of safety mechanisms, devices, pressure trips. You know, you program the robot. It's, you know, you're never going to have more force on a body. I, I don't know. Uh, but at some point, I'm just, you know, like, we, we, how do people die in the future? Well, we're not in car accidents because we're, you know, we're, we all have self-flying cars, but maybe it's our sex sex robot accidents, pressure settings set on the wrong level, and, you know. Yeah. Interesting question posed. Uh-oh. 1054, you know, you just know sex bots that look like specific people are going to be requested at some point that promises to be a weird ethics discussion. Yeah, what if somebody, like, bought you like somebody could just like some creepy stalker could just run into the store and and, and buy your rope they'd be right? ordered because some ordered and discreet order. right but someone could then show off excuse me like that would be a really weird i mean uh i i don't know i'm, I'm not too concerned about like the creepiness and all this because a big part of what this this human ascension moment the the, the hockey stick bend that we're experiencing uh is, is a sexual revolution um and not necessarily like the 60s of hey we got the pill all right party but but of of, of sexual health and enlightenment of course some of it i, I think there was and i don't know this is my my, my own little weird theory about the, the sexual revolution of the, the of the 60s that it was it, it it started and was sort of stifled and reined in by the establishment and suppressed and there was a period of uh, what felt like sexual liberation and, and loosening of mores and people at least being able to talk more. And then a period of at least slowed growth or repression, you know, like it, we, you know, shot up and maybe people got scared or there was a pulling back or the establishment stepped in. And now we're coming to like a, a, a slower, perhaps, rather than a sudden moment but a, a more sustainable period of, of sexual enlightenment. I don't know how accurate that is, but somewhere along human history and particularly American history of you know the second half of the 20th century through today, there's some really interesting dynamics in how human sexuality has, has evolved in some yeah. pretty sharp turns. But hey, you go back, there's pre a precedent for all of this. Nicholas Canada, child sex robots would help with pedophiles. Yeah, I was about to mention that. This is this has come up before, not with people having get because sex dolls of individuals exist already with porn stars. Like that's who people yeah. want to have sex with. It's all like yeah, hello. We've that we've kind of gone through, but the child sex dolls and and pedophiles. But that goes with child porn. Like we haven't even figured that out, and that would be. I don't want to say the be all end all necessarily, but we are so we are we are still so sexually repressed as a society that not only are we really grossly incapable of handling serious sexual threat issues with pedophilia or rape or abuse or incest or all the the worst kinds of sexual crimes, but we don't even understand them. Like we haven't had the uh, the, the will, uh, really, that's what it comes down to. Because we've had the uh, we've had the, the means, motive, and opportunity, right? You know, we've had since there's been modern science, since we've had the luxury of putting people in labs and studying people in controlled environments. We've we've had the uh, we've had the means, we've had the motive. We're we're horny creatures, right? We've had the opportunity. This has been something we've been capable of understanding pedophilia and eliminating we've been capable of understanding 
so many of these sexual abuse and threats and violence and, and all sorts of issues, at least for decades, if not even centuries. Uh, and the fact that we haven't is a product of our own lack of will, our own fear or apprehension about, you know, getting into issues about or tough issues around sex. First domino, what if the Bart, what if the bots start getting rapey? That DARPA dog looks rapey. Oh, yeah. I don't know. This is like, I don't know. Like, of all the things with AI, like, well, it might blow up the earth. It might turn us all into slaves. It might rape us. You mean like perfectly sexually engineered robots rape us? For most dudes, they're like, all right, sign me up for the Matrix pod where I get raped by robots for the rest of my life. Milk for my juices. Yes. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah, just fun to check in. That's that's where sex bots are with the technology today. It's AI and robotics coming together. Whew. All right, Fox News, you know, we got some alien stories today. Possible UFOs spotted off Florida coast. The dazzling video shows two orbs of light soaring airborne across the night sky. Can we roll on this one, Jim? <clears throat> it's a... Uh, Five-minute video. We're not going to watch the whole thing, but uh, uh, I got. I'm sorry. I got to do a uh, producer note on this. This is Fox News, and that's probably why it's so ridiculous. But I spent the last few minutes going ahead trying to prep that video, and the video that's there is just a clip from Tucker Carlson talking about an old thing. <laughs> there right, is no right, video yeah, on the FoxNews.com video player. Then, if you want to watch, oh well, let's just scroll down for the picture. And you can see a ver very blurry, grainy, green and black picture of a light allegedly in the sky, something. All right. Thing. <clears throat> An unidentified to... thing. <laughs> well, we like turning UFOs into IFOs here at Adam versus the man. Uh, WWJ950 at MSN.com. 240-pound river monster caught in Detroit River. Now, you know, this is not like the craziest understanding nature story. Uh, but but scroll down. You can just see this photo that was shared on Facebook of the, the, the fisherman in uh, like a black jumpsuit with the red sleeves. You see that? Not not that. That's just some corny stock photo. <laughs> but scroll down on the, on the story there, Jim. And you've got the fish lying next to this dude. So once in a lifetime catch. Oh. For, uh, there it is. For our Detroit River native species crew last week, this real-life river monster was tipping the scales at 240 pounds, measuring 6 feet, 10 inches long, with a girth of nearly 4 feet. Caught in the Detroit River, this fish is one of the <laughs> largest lake sturgeon ever recorded in the U.S., based on girth and size, assumed to be a female, and over a hundred years old. So wow. she likely hatched in the Detroit River around 1920, ah, when Detroit became the fourth largest city in America. Edit. By the way, she was quickly released back into the river after being processed. I kind of hope she was tagged. I, yeah, like I want to know. I want to. Like, I want to. Like, I, can we have a reality show based on like go, the river monster? 
Yeah, how long is she gonna live? I need to know. That's crazy. Can we like catch if she stops moving, she dies and like grab her body for science? Does she go back or, like, home make a trophy? to like her dad's there? Her two hundred year old dad's there? We don't even know it. Yeah, like, like they got her. They yeah, maybe they're cruising around the bottom of the river and just who knows? But yeah, th this is nuts. And the the reason I share this is like it's not even the biggest. It's not even the biggest. The female, so the male's gonna be bigger. Not necessarily. It's not true of all species. Is that true of most fish? I don't know. Fish vary so much. I know. I mean, you have seahorses that are, they're not horses, by the way. We don't have amphibious four-legged mammals in the ocean. Come on. <laughs> Come on, children. Uh, but no, so this, this uh, sturgeon, I, I, the reason I share this story is not just like, whoa, damn, like yeah, right there, Detroit. Like, yeah, and it's, it's a cool natural phenomenon. To, and it's, to, to be able to sort of date it, to estimate that a fish like this is 100 years old. And I know, like, in the ocean and our lakes, and there's there's all sorts of crazy... I mean, I've seen river monsters, and I know that there's there's more stuff out there, but when... I And, and I appreciate this living out in, in the country here. One of the things I, I love about this part of the country in particular, Juniper Wood Ranch, is that it's a forest in development. We have these young juniper trees. And I enjoy the historical perspective here, knowing that a lot of these trees are about 100 years old. You know, and a lot of the sort of small, the medium trees, and they grow 350 to 700 years old. So this is a forest that is developing in biomass and biodiversity. Like Patrick yesterday saw a horny toad. The, the their lizards called horny toads. It pisses me off that they call them that Hired because they because they because they have sex they're about to have. <laughs> yeah, but they're they're really cool lizards, and I've seen them on properties or like a, a few miles away from here, a little higher elevation. It was like now they're on our property. By the way, we do have we have frogs here too. When it gets really wet, they come out of the ground and like hey, hibernation in dry ish dirt, and then they come out when it gets muddy. But uh, I I feel like I have this tendency, or like before I came out here. I had the tendency to take local wildlife for granted, like everything, like zebras and tigers are exotic, but you know, everything here is mundane. And it's like, we just adopted two tiger striped puppies. <laughs> like that's, that's part of it. And should we tell kitten stories? We have, we have, we oh, found the one yeah. missing kitten missing and now we have two other kittens missing. But uh, yeah, Smokey is back having been adopted by mama muffin with the other litter now so very interesting yeah yeah the kittens get carried around but we're they might be in a custody battle for the state we don't know about we're just trying to keep the kittens safe until until they're until they're like really toddlers and eating wet food on their own and can at least you know get away from predators outside if they if they wander off, we got to protect them from birds out here. That's the thing. Ray, will ravens eat kittens? We know the owls will. We do have owls out here, but you know what? You don't see owls around with human activity so closely. You yeah. hear them. Coyotes, by the way. Beautiful. See, I thought coyotes were getting chased out of the area by human activity, but this last couple weeks, we've been hearing them, and, and night before last, like really loud, beautiful chorus of coyotes and the funny thing is a lot of people out here have a pack of dogs like like we're collecting amassing here in gardenia 
So you hear, you'll hear, no, that's not coyotes, that's dogs. But no, it was coyotes. Red tail hawks will feast. We do have red tail hawks out here, I believe. Is that is that the kind of hawk we have? I haven't really made a point of studying the birds of prey that are around. Beautiful ravens. Definitely cool owls, and I've seen a couple of those. I think there's barn owl types. I haven't looked exactly. But yeah, we also have some pretty serious birds of prey that look like red-tailed hawks. I can't say I've gotten... As of now, they remain UFOs. They may soon become IFOs. But for now, there are some birds that uh, we don't know if they're real even. They might all be government drones. But, you know, we, we've had some finches. We've had these uh, beautiful doves that are, like, gray. And they have, like, the black bands across. And a couple photos of those on the Gardenia Instagram. We have blue jays and a, a red-breasted uh, something. Like a red robin, maybe. Yum. I don't know. Yo, we should we should do some more bird identification and plant stuff. It's really amazing to be here for five years and like still not know so much. But every season, because this is a forest in development, there's something new that we notice. It's really beautiful. It's really fun to experience. So maybe this year it's horny toads over the summer coming down to a slightly lower elevation, expanding their territory into our area, perhaps. Now to inceptivemind.com. Been looking to cover this story for a few days. Came up earlier this week. Mayflower autonomous ship set to make its maiden voyage across the Atlantic. The world's first fully autonomous ship. Mayflower 400 is set to make its maiden voyage across the Atlantic this month. Delayed due to the pandemic. The launch was supposed to take place last year to celebrate the 400th anniversary of the navigation of the original Mayflower. The ship that brought settlers from England to North America. I'm actually kind of surprised it took us this long. I mean, I, I guess it's like there wasn't really a need, though. Well, at 1054, sport fishermen and animal rights activists could be brought together with fish pods. <laughs> Hooray for science. It's like this catching a robot fish. It's kind of like having sex with a robot. I don't, mm, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't know if that's going to do it for me in the long run. Might be fun, but uh, we'll we'll leave it at that for now. No, but the, 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 with ships like massive cargo container ships, they're practically self-piloted, right? I mean, the guys sit there and go, "Okay, go here to here," and I I, I would think, uh, good. Uh, so Illinois forty five forty five, good. Maybe this Mayflower can end the U.S. government. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaning like delayed due to pandemic. But did did the did the crew of this crewless ship get COVID? How did wait? Well, I thought I thought COVID was accelerating, you know, unmanned adventures. First domino. What about sex with a robot fish? Oh, first domino. I've been back and forth with the uh, "Do you like fish sticks?" joke in the comments here off screen. Do you like fish sticks, Adam? No, not your thing. Good. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. I like taking my COVID vitamins when I need to in the middle of a fun Friday show. <laughs> Push the Woo! All right. The Mayflower 400 will be guided by artificial intelligence rather than a human crew. It will depart from Plymouth, England. <coughs> excuse me, on May 15. <coughs> wow, excuse me. And arrive at 
Plymouth, Massachusetts, about 3,000 miles, powered by solar energy. It was unveiled in 2017 as a partnership between IBM, the University of Plymouth Autonomous Craft, the University of Plymouth, sorry, Autonomous Craft Specialists, M-Subs, and the Marine Research Nonprofit, Promare. The five-ton, 50-foot-long trimaran, which can make its own decisions and navigate in full autonomy, will also be able to study the environment by analyzing marine mammals in the presence of plastic in the ocean with no captain or onboard crew. Mayflower 400 excuse me, uses AI to, to traverse the ocean in its quest for data and discovery on whale populations, sea levels, microplastics in the ocean, and other research topics. It has a sophisticated system of cameras and radar to continue learning about its environment. Now, I should have had today's stories organized, but there were just way too many. But we have another one that's uh, related to this, where I kind of want to, we'll come back to it. Uh, well, here's one that's related. Part-time mermaids in China. I'm just teasing it. Let's get back and jump into the stack here. Radio.com at MSN.com. May the fourth be with you. Michigan reports 12 UFO sightings in 2021, coinciding with the legalization of recreational cannabis. Just kidding. I have no idea if that's even true. What's the state of cannabis in it? I, I, that's, a, that's a bad joke. It's Star Wars Day and Michiganders are feeling the force over the course of 2021. There have been 12 reported UFO sightings in Michigan, several of which occurred in the metro Detroit area, according to the National UFO Reporting Center. What do they... I, don't why don't we have like is too bad USO is United Services organization because because it should be unidentified swimming object right like if you see, like uh, there is USO unidentified submersible object that's a thing it's an actual okay. thing submersible unidentified submersible because uh, yeah there's a, the aliens live underwater some people think their bases are down there that they're not coming from space rather the depths of the ocean. Or they've got like a stargate to come into the Earth's but core. But the Earth's flat, so it doesn't make any sense. And birds aren't real. But Venus is, and according to CNET.com, scientists use Venus as a disco ball to unravel mysteries of its spin. You didn't think scientists were having a party. It's not. These aren't like, you know, Rick Sanchez scientists. Somebody call Gloria Gaynor for a planet that has a lot in common with us and just happens to be our closest neighbor. There really is an awful lot we don't know about Venus, and it's not for the lack of trying. Venus's conditions and speed have made nailing down specifics an incredibly long process. So to make it easier to analyze, scientists took inspiration from the dance floor. In a study published in Nature Astronomy on Thursday, a team out of UCLA used radar to nail down the exact length of a day on Venus, the size of its core, and its precise tilt angle. We use Venus as a giant disco ball, said Jean-Luc Margot, a UCLA professor who led the study. Between 2006 and 2020, the UCLA-led team aimed radio waves at Venus from the Goldstone Antenna in California's Mojave Desert, acting like a flashlight. The waves bounced back off Venus's landscape, like the reflections on a disco ball, allowing the team to track the reflections and calculate details about the planet's spin and tilt. Pretty cool. Yeah. It slips, uh, tips slightly to one side by 2.6392 degrees, slowly changing orientation over the course of 
29,000 years. Comparatively, Earth tilts at 23 degrees and takes only 26,000 years to change its orientation. Virtually a blink of an eye in astronomical timelines. On top of that, the results indicate that an average day on Venus lasts approximately 243.0226 Earth days. That's approximate. approximate. Not that, I mean, we could have gotten you like 10 more digits on this one because we are scientists after all. We are UCLA, but no. Uh, 243.0226 Earth days. And this is the fun. I mean, I don't know. Do kids still read science fiction novels that get you to do these kinds of thought experiments that like if we were able to live on Venus, you, you would, the sun would be like oriented for, it would take, it would take almost a year for the sun to, you know, move across the sky months in, in our time. Crazy. And how that would affect you. So many fun things to consider in space exploration. I mean, I went through a period as a kid of, of reading a bunch of science fiction. I think maybe I should pick up that habit again. It's fun. I wonder how much of it has actually come to fruition at this point. Reading old sci-fi for like, <laughs> they thought that was going to happen. Um, you have to imagine a bunch of scientists were influenced by what they read as kids to create that's whatever that's technology true too, yeah. we have now. Yeah. yeah. I was inspired by all that science fiction to sit around and watch it happen and just make dumb jokes about it. Futurism.com. Scientists say new experiment will determine fate of the universe. Oh, this is another futurism blocked article. So that's all we're going to say about it. It's in the notes if you want to see it. Interestingengineering.com. Scientists say they discovered the gateway to consciousness in the brain. Often the things you don't know are things your brain has chosen to ignore. Hmm. There's an old saying, the things you don't know are very often the things you have chosen not to know. As Donald Rumsfeld said, there are no knowns, unknown knowns, and known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. And I don't know where that $6 trillion went, so why don't you just stop asking questions? All right, and <clears throat> uh, speaking from, that, that, was, that was me, that wasn't the article. Uh, and speaking from the physical standpoint of the human brain, this might not be far from the facts. When we're awake, our brains receive an almost constant flux of information from sensory signals of constantly fluctuating intensities for decades. Scientists have wondered about the nature of the boundary between signals we detect consciously and the ones that fall below the horizon of conscious awareness remaining in unconsciousness. And they may have just found that answer. Scientists say they've discovered a crucial area in the brain's cortex that plays gatekeeper to our conscious awareness, according to a recent study published in the journal Cell Reports. Hmm. Yeah, and you think of it's hmm. when you say they only use 10% of your brain, like no, but you think about how much of your brain is just doing shit that you like you are not your brain. You know, like it's 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 a weird thing for us to go from, well, you're not uh, a, a physical being having a spiritual experience or a spiritual being have, having a physical experience and then you parse out what of that physical experience is the host of you or your consciousness you know is your consciousness all of this base level brain activity that you're not even aware of is is that you is your consciousness floating around in there something that you can choose to manipulate with drugs something that you can choose to manipulate with food and water and sleep and 
the environment that you're in that all somehow coalesces in this thing that transcends that physicality that is human consciousness. And what a gift it is to acknowledge that we are this thing that is human consciousness. Information processing in the brain is two dimensions. Sensory processing of the environment without awareness. And the type that occurs when a stimulus reaches a certain level of importance and enters conscious awareness, said a research investigator named Zirui Huang of the Center for Consciousness Science at Michigan Medicine in the Department of Anesthesiology, according to a report from Medical Express. Huang and the study's lead researcher, Anthony Hudetz et al., tried to verify the switch event in a portion of the brain known as the anterior insular cortex, which functions as a gate between low-level sensory information and higher-level awareness. Two unique ways in here when science begins to study non-physical phenomena will grow more in 10 years than it has in its entirety or something Nikola Tesla said. (laughs) Is that a paraphrase of a Tesla quote? But no, it's, 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 we're, we're here. This, it's this exponential, whether you want to differentiate, are they studying consciousness or awareness or non-physical things? It's been, it's, it's this just overall acceleration that is the nature of technology and intelligent life itself. The study involved experiments on participants who were inserted into an fMRI machine and given the anesthetic drug Propofol to modify their level of consciousness. No, All right. Jackson. Uninsurable. I love Tesla. Once psychedelics or legal things will change, people will see that we are more than a meat body. We are the universe. So, so uh, under uh, in fMRI machines, under the influence of propofol, the researchers then asked them to imagine themselves in a game of tennis, strolling down a path, or clenching their hand in addition to various forms of motor activity, like squeezing a rubber ball, all while the participants fell into unconsciousness as the propofol took hold. And then again, as they came to once the drug's effect ended. Earlier research revealed how mental imagery creates brain activity analogous to neural activity witnessed when humans are actually performing the described activity when they imagine it happening The region of the brain that causes motor motor control still lights up. Additionally, other areas of the brain are deactivated while performing these tasks to concentrate mental awareness on the necessary physical activity. While the study participants fell into unconsciousness, the deactivations were less frequent. And once they totally lost consciousness, the brain regions corresponding to the mental imagery tasks also showed no activity. I mean, there's more to this. This is a really fun thing to study. And if you go and read this article, look at this in the notes at t.me slash Adam versus the man. There are a bunch of links to other studies as well related to this. Illinois 4545 at Rob B. Are you in the Producers Club? I posted a new article with the new DARPA. It's focused on health. Is that is that in there just right now? Yeah. Just right now. J.R. out of mud. Dayton Daily News. Um, no, that's something else. There's another one. Oh, and Fina wanted to share with us that the Etta Aquarids media shower peak is coming. The area, I, oh, should have had this in the stack. Be looking at the night sky, not just for the light in the sky of Starlink, but there are some meteor showers 
happening, I think, this weekend. We try to schedule them on weekends so we can promote them on Fridays. Dayton Daily News. Uh, it seems blatantly illegal. Southwest Ohio School District defies state rules. Bulls back mask requirements. No. Uh, but watch the Etta Aquarids meteor shower peak in night skies from the New York Times. Haley's comment. Oh, no. See, this is for May 5th. Um, the next shower might be able to see. Sometimes known as Etta Aquarids, active April 19 to May 28. Oh, it's this whole time. Is expected to be at its peak from Wednesday night into Thursday morning. So we just missed the peak. So be looking out. What is that? Trifecta. Oh, Trifecta, DARPA, IARPA, and now HARPA to complete digital dictatorship. Technocrats are merging health security and national security to create the ultimate dictatorship. Three technocrat-laced government agencies will operate in a lawless James Bond-esque fashion to sidestep all regulations. Yeah. A new proposal by the Biden administration to create a health-focused federal agency. I think we're going to come... This, this is this is bad news stuff. But it's not... An, you, can, you can ignore this for the weekend. You trust me. The security state that you experience will not be affected by not knowing this article. We will get, we'll come back to that one on Monday. Thank you for sharing, sir. <clears throat> um, but yeah, also pulling back uh, mask requirements. We'll get, don't worry. I know you guys want to talk about COVID every day, but we don't talk about, we smoke weed every day. We talk about COVID Mondays and Wednesdays. <laughs> anyway, back to the consciousness article. The gateway to consciousness. It, 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 I remember reading something like a long time ago. This is a terrible way to start a sentence, right? But <laughs> you think about the nature of conscious life. At some point, every living organism needs to know, can I, like, you, there has to be a certain amount of sensory processing. And this is sort of like the nature, the, 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 the core fundamental nature of consciousness itself. Every organism that does this, that, that has a consciousness that is, that is able to process thoughts, is asking some very basic questions. Can I eat this? Right? Can it eat me? Can I mate with this? Right. These, these are like the three basic questions of consciousness that even the most fundamental, uh, you know, single celled organisms at, at some level have to be able to figure out any 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 form of life that moves and reproduces sexually or I guess asexually. There's a different consciousness about that. Um, you know, who knows? But now we have uh, a new way of understanding that level of conscious awareness through human consciousness. And now to goodnewsnetwork.org, the Manta sailing vessel is designed to feed on plastic waste for power while cleaning oceans. This is the story I was referring to earlier. A professional yacht racer annoyed by the constant sightings of floating mats of plastic garbage in coastal waters has designed an ocean cleaning sailboat that is powered by the waste it collects. I'm thinking like, do you, do you need the wind if you're, <clears throat> if you're making power from that? But yeah, I guess just to control the sails and to navigate and all that. But this is uh, something that we've talked about different versions here where there were barges that were going to go 
and float in the ocean and scoop up the plastic garbage islands and turn it into cryptocurrency, make Bitcoin, yeah. Um, who knows what's going to happen with this? But this is the kind of stuff that gives me a lot of hope for being able to uh, sort of engineer our way out of all of these problems, to be able to... Um, sorry, I'm, I'm, we're getting our guest, Jay Nygaard, coming on in the middle of the show here, or possibly... Uh, Kaylor Nygaard. I have no idea what's going to happen with this today, but uh, I'm sending him the link now. So yeah, I've, like uh, even even with uh, with air pollution, and this is funny that it took 3D printing to come to this. Uh, uh, Jim, I don't know. Do you show some of the good graphics with the manta here? There's uh, there's a cool video with some uh, of this. This it's really like it's a cool looking boat. Yeah, there we go. The manta. Yeah, you want to run that with audio? <coughs> oh, now I'm frozen to myself. You're not frozen here. No, I just look dorky like <coughs> technical difficulties. There we go. Now he's got it up. Almost forgot to smash that like button. <laughs> Is that what we tell Every the aliens? Minute, 17 tons of plastic waste are dumped into the oceans, totaling between 10 and 12 million tons of plastic waste each year. Welcome aboard the Manta, a giant of the seas, a unique solution designed to defend the ocean against plastic pollution and to provide a comprehensive answer through prevention and corrective action. There is no sound in like this video, ray, just so you know. It's, it's, I have the sound water. on. It's just the not. Propels There's no sound in the video. Floating plastic waste as small as 10 meters is then transformed into energy. The mantle is capable of collecting up to oh, three tons of Oh, I don't know why I'm not hearing hour. it. So, okay, three never mind. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. To a depth of one meter, mainly in coastal waters. The Mobulus, two multi-service boats on board, will collect waste in shallow or narrow areas. Versatile, they collect micro-waste, macro-waste, and hydrocarbons in rough coastal waters and rivers with strong currents, and also in calm and protected waters. Each mobula can collect and store up to 10 cubic meters of waste. The macro-waste floating on the surface of the water is drawn into the manta by collection carousels located between the hulls. The waste then travels to the onboard waste management plant located at the heart of the vessel to be transformed. The waste is first sent to a sorting unit where operators separate it manually according to its nature. Metal, glass and aluminium wastes are stored to be brought back to land to be recycled through local waste management streams. Organic materials are returned to the water. The plastic waste is shredded and transformed into pellets before being sent to the waste to energy conversion unit. The real masterpiece of the onboard plant is the waste to energy conversion unit that melts the plastic pellets at high temperature through pyrolysis and transforms them into synthetic gas. The syngas then passes through a turbine which produces electricity. That electricity in turn will power all of the Manta's equipment. Its onboard plant, cockpit, batteries and propulsion units. During the conversion process, heat emissions and waste gases are recovered, supporting the Mantis principles for an eco-friendly solution. 
The manta is capable of collecting 5 to 10,000 metric tons per year and processing 100% of the waste collected on board. The manta is powered by renewable energy sources equipped with hybrid propulsion and automatic rigs. It is an ambassador of clean navigation technologies with a minimal environmental footprint targeting an average of 75% energy autonomy. Additionally, the Manta is a state-of-the-art science lab on plastic pollution. Scientific missions will be hosted on board and awareness and prevention platforms will be open to the general public during the boat's stopover. <coughs> Combining high technology and eco-consciousness, the Manta will travel to the world's major estuaries and river mouths where floating plastic waste is known to be concentrated. It is urgent to take action now. The Manta will make it possible. Is that what you want your sex robot to sound like, Craig, that we're getting at? Uh, Joey shared an article as well here in the uh, Producers Club Hometown Pride where uh, googly-eyed trash eaters may clean a harbor near you. Baltimore's success with Mr. Trash Wheel and Professor Trash Wheel may spread to other cities. They're all, they came out like 2015, I think. Like all, all, of, all of Baltimore knows about Mr. Trash. Oh, that's the googly-eyed Mr. Trash. He was supposed to look like armor. a shrimp or something. He's, I don't know. Or, He's, everything's better with googly eyes. Just put googly eyes on every machine. Mr. Trash. Yeah. Friendly robots everywhere. Well, as I was saying, the innovating our way out of all of these environmental challenges and pollution problems, I mean, it's not even far-fetched with today's technology to see that we're applying this when it comes to ocean trash. But what I, and I remember covering this back in 2013, I think with the, the, the first uh, three hour studio version of Adam versus the man where they were, we were, we were playing with 3D printing when 3, 3D printing was kind of first a thing. And they were, we were using filaments, right? You know, you have a, a filament of plastic that is melted and shot through the, you know, the, the, the needle in the 3D printer to create the object. And we were talking about being able to take just plastic bottles from the kitchen or from you know, garbage recycling. That's one of the reasons I have a giant stash of plastic trash here is that someday we're going to be able to just process, it, that, process all that into uh, filament for 3D printers. And at some point, we're going to be able to suck all of that out of the sky. Like all of the, uh, all of the pollution in the sky. I mean, I, I know this sounds kind of far-fetched and maybe it's not ever going to be practical, but in cities where there's smog, what is that smog? That stuff, that, that's a material that can be condensed and, and used. What was that, Rob B? It looks like two water wheels attached to a Muppet. All right. And with that, speaking of giving us hope for the future, we have our Friday special guest, Jay Nygaard, replaced backstage by his son, Kaylor Nygaard, today, who was here, part of the wind turbine installation crew, going to be running for, I believe, uh, chair of the Libertarian Party of Minnesota. Is that right? Uh, Kaylor. Let's get Kaylor up on screen here. Welcome to the show. Happy Friday. How you doing, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, man. Um, good to see you. Today. I'm happy it's spring out, you know. It's uh, it's really looking up and up. So good Friday, huh? Yeah, well, because there you're like spring to summer is from intolerably cold. Oh, we can go outside. Now. 
Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and you can tell it in the people, too, that they're starting to warm up, you know, so that's really awesome. Um, there, on good news, too, I was looking on the Internet and uh, there's uh, Oxford Brook University and they use their supercomputer to do a study on uh, vertical axis wind turbines. And they found that that when you put them together, they kind of work like a school of fish and then they're 15 percent more efficient. So that just came out like, uh, you know, less than a week ago. So, um, you know, we don't have access to supercomputer technology, but that was pretty awesome to see. And, um, you know, people are now questioning whether, you know, the vertical axis wind turbines are actually the future wind turbines. And the big is ones, this, you know. Is this like a wake effect? Like there's a wind wake and they take advantage of that and they're. they're... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's the idea. And uh, yeah, if you stack them correctly, you know, they'll play off each other where I guess with the big ones, they, they create too much turbulence or something to play off each other. So, uh, OK, so, yeah, I, um, I wanted, you know, I wanted I, I, to talk. Yeah, I, I should have warned you about this, but I got I mean, I don't know if, if you want to jump into this cover or uh, if you got as much expertise on this as Jay. But I wanted to hit you with some hard questions because we saw this in Wall Street Journal today. Rural America gets bad vibrations from big wind turbines are popular as long as no one has to see their giant blades or hear the awful noise they make. And maybe the answer to this is simple because I, I saw those big, the, 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 the big spinning wheels, the big tri blades, and you go, there's no way that's the most mechanically effective way to capture wind at scale. Yeah. I mean, uh, it made sense for a while, you know, like when we didn't have the technology figured out on the vertical axis wind turbines, that was the best at the time, you know, but things get better. The problem with the big ones is you can't recycle them for the most part. You know, they're made out of fiberglass. Um, and then, Wait, you know that those it, giant it, white blades? Those yeah, are fiberglass. He does know more hey, than there's I'm here to pitch in. So there are several things other than the bird kills because you got the outside of the blades going so fast and birds look down, not up. There's a lot of low frequency vibrations. Oh no, that come off of it. Yeah, just uh, again. Uh oh, we got a connection issue. I'm frozen. What's going on, Jim? They got they got disconnected. Um, also, I was telling you in the producers club, you're getting bad feedback. When he comes back on, if you could ask him to click his echo cancellation in the settings, because when yeah. you talk, he's getting a real lot of loud echo on his part, and it's causing a an audio gotcha. problem. It's not very good to listen to. He's back now, so okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just died there for a second. The app. If you could do me a favor before we get started and go into your camera and microphone settings and click the echo cancellation button. Okay. It was clicked. He just turned it off. You want it off then? Now leave it there. That's much better. Oh, wait. No, we're, still, we're still getting an echo. You don't have headphones, do you? Yeah, I do have headphones. That quick, that would probably help. Yeah. I was told by my dad that I didn't need headphones. So <laughs> let's see here. Maybe it's the way he's got his phones. But it looks like your connection's not great either. Is that just because he keeps part of it? Says we have five G. 
There's your problem right there. <laughs> it's the 5G. All right, well, we'll see if we can. I'm hearing like crazy echo on that. If you want to see if you can figure that out and come back to this, we'll come back to the wind turbine story. So going back to the top of the big pile of news, holy crap, where are we? We still have so many stories to cover. So, yeah, we covered the uh, the Manta sailing vessel. Very exciting. And now back to outer space, Reuters Science Blue Origin to begin space tourism ticket sales Wednesday. Blue Origin billionaire Jeff Bezos' rocket company is poised to open up ticket sales on Wednesday for suborbital sightseeing trips on its new Shepard spacecraft, a landmark moment as U.S. firms strive toward a new era of private commercial space travel. Blue Origin is expected to announce details on how to purchase a seat, the timing of the first flight, and the cost for a ticket, which has been a carefully guarded secret inside Blue for years. Reuters reported in 2018 that Blue was planning to charge passengers at least $200,000 for the ride based on an appraisal of rival plans from billionaire Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic Holdings, Inc., and other considerations, though its thinking may have changed. Blue Origin teased last week that it would soon begin selling tickets following years of testing and development work that has included delays. Blue's new Shepard rocket and capsule combo is designed to autonomously fly six passengers more than 62 miles, that's 100 kilometers, above Earth into suborbital space, high enough to experience a few minutes of weightlessness and see the curvature of the planet before the pressurized capsule returns to Earth under parachutes. The capsule, capsule features six observation windows. Blue Origin says are nearly three times as tall as those on a Boeing 747 jetliner. So oh, while, yeah. yeah, this is we're it's it, we've been, this has been teased for a while, right? Where we had uh, you know some suborbital flights. We had astronauts going up into zero gravity. They took Stephen Hawking up in a wheelchair and showed him floating in zero gravity. And now we're at like actual just just pushing it a little bit by bit. While celebrities and the Uber rich appear to be a core market for space tourists, Johns at least initially, industry sources expect Blue to include some philanthropic component to its ticket strategy. A college science professor and an aerospace data analyst are among a four-member crew for a launch into orbit planned later this year by Elon Musk's SpaceX, SpaceX part of a charity trust. SpaceX. SpaceX. Part of a charity drive build is the first all-civilian space flight in history. Up next, yes, it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm thinking of my my great grandmother who passed away years ago, but she never had a license. It was it was unnecessary to drive because cars were just such a new thing at the turn of the century there in the 1900s, right? And and now this, like I I can't even imagine this generation that's you know in their 90s. Stephen Hawking got to be in zero G. Hey, you know. Like we, we've well surpassed the Jetsons. You'll be 92 someday. Will I? Yeah. And then you'll be looking back, going back in my day, we didn't even need licenses to fly rockets. These <laughs> jet regulations. Yeah, really. Space cops. <laughs> it's the empire. <laughs> the empire is striking back. All right, goodnewsnetwork.org. Atheists. Respond to National Day of Prayer this week with action 
to feed the hungry and clean up litter. We heard that the annual National Day of Prayer has also spurred atheists to action, and they're using the occasion to do good works in their community. The atheist community of Polk County, Florida, for instance, is organizing a number of community service events and an awareness campaign to suggest that fellowship doesn't require faith. It's all part of an annual effort to celebrate a national secular week of action instead of observing the National Day of Prayer, which was set aside in U.S. federal law for people of faith to pray for the nation on the first Thursday in May, the way that God intended us to. In place of observing a day of thoughts and prayer, secular groups nationwide organize service projects. This year's emphasis is on a compassionate response to hunger and homelessness, which were exacerbated due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Very cool. NPR.org. Trees talk to each other. Mother tree ecologist hears lessons for people, too. Trees are social creatures that communicate with each other in cooperative ways that hold lessons for human, too, ecologists. Suzanne Simard says, Simard grew up in Canadian forests as a descendant of loggers before becoming a forestry ecologist. She's now a professor of forest ecology at the University of British Columbia. Trees are linked to neighboring trees by an underground network of fungi that resembles the neural networks in the brain. In one study, Simard watched as a Douglas fir that had been injured by insects appeared to send chemical warning signals to a ponderosa pine growing nearby. The pine tree then produced defense enzymes to protect against the insect. This was a breakthrough. The trees were sharing information that actually is important to the health of the whole forest. In addition to warning each other of danger, Simard says that trees have been known to share nutrients at critical times to keep each other healthy. She says the trees in a forest are often linked to each other via an older tree she calls a mother or hub tree. Quote, in connecting with all the trees at different ages, the mother trees can actually facilitate the growth of these understory seedlings. The seedlings will link into the network of old trees <clears throat> and benefit from that huge uptake resource capacity. And the old trees would also pass a little bit of carbon and nutrients and water to the little seedlings at crucial times in their lives that actually help them survive. And I, I think about, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to condemn government unfairly, although that's really hard. With Nicholas Canada, this isn't even new science. Yeah, in a sense, but this is just taking to the next level, I suppose, looking at this. Uh, too unique. Shout it if you knew this without science having to no, tell no, you. I, I, I have <clears> a, there I might have had this, you know, psychedelic experience where I was chit chatting and I came up with, with the, the trees. With the you know, with the idea that, that money being made of, of trees, right, holds energy. And how I was grateful for the digital currency age because you don't have to transfer that energy with people, right? So so imagine somebody with really bad energy as a human, really nasty, egotistical, gross, a senator, okay? Touches this money, <laughs> right? <clears throat> and then you get it. Like, just, I had this, this, this. Or a banker. Re or a banker. This realization Bankers touch money, right? When you touch that money, those green, cotton, paper rectangles, that there's energy in there. And see, the LSD was right. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I think more to the trees directly about, you know, if you looked at trees and you looked at forests and you just as 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 a as a caveman, even you go, well, of course, there's like I have my babies. and I we care for our babies. Trees have their babies. And when, since we know they have roots and they know they're all connected, of course, why wouldn't they be? You know, older trees helping out younger trees, and we go, well, right. now, now we can prove it, and we see the mechanisms of that and science. So cool stuff, yeah. And this is from NPR, so it's actually a thirty-five minute listen. If you want to get further into that, in the notes at t.me/slash Adam versus the man. Just oh, what was that comment? Currency is not paper. What is it? Is it cotton? Definitely made of an organic material. Currency, aka money, is not paper. Well, it's not paper like normal paper, but it's cotton fiber. It's plant matter for most. It's a combination. I mean, it's been paper. Trees support crypto. Yeah, <laughs> damn right they do. Uh, speaking of which, we got two interesting uh, stories up next here. Good News Network: New smart farming robot unveiled that smokes weeds with high-powered lasers for oh, healthy weeding. And there's so like. So many miss, so many ways to misconstrue this title. New smart farming robot unveiled that smokes weed. No, smokes weed. High-powered lasers for healthy weed. You think, wait, I, or is this a new way of doing dabs with high-powered? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. You think about it. Why not? You know, they have those lasers that are get so hot that they can like burn paper. Why not use that for vaping? You could high-power laser. It's a nice way to do dabs, right? No, but. This is just a really cool innovation in agriculture. And we've seen different versions of this. It seems like every week there's some new way and it's going to be more environmentally friendly. We dedicate a piece of the earth's surface to maximizing the nutrients that we can pull out of it for human consumption. It's going to be with robots like this. Certified organic. See, yeah, but you can definitely weaponize that. We can weaponize laser weed smoking. So weeds compete for soil, nutrients, water, space, and sunlight. With the crops farmers grow to help feed people now a third generation weeding robot armed with lasers and powered by ai offers the ultimate labor saving device while also eliminating the need for chemical herbicides now maybe all like so this is a generational leap that we're going through right now in agriculture and it's going to accelerate the leaps are going to come closer and closer together with every generational shift with every advancement who knows then maybe the next thing is food forests and we just have wild food forests and we send in drones to snip out the little bits of plants that we want to consume and we get to not even have this part of the planet's biodiversity challenged by monoculture agriculture right so the next one i think someone at good news network is smoking some of those laser weeds because they have a joint venture, and it's not what you think. Joint venture with Love's Truck Stops will produce 80 million gallons of renewable biodiesel made from 100% waste. And I think, like, joint venture to smoke weeds with lasers. All right. I now you're speaking my language, Good News Network. A giant agricultural company's years of work on renewable, sustainable diesel fuel is finally coming to fruition and it's made from 100% waste products. A 50-50 joint venture between Cargill and Love's Travel Stops will produce and market a green fuel under the name Heartwell Renewables. 
Its new production plant, now under construction in Hastings, Nebraska, will have the ability to produce approximately 80 million gallons of renewable diesel fuel annually while creating 50 new jobs there. Cargill will provide feedstock in the form of tallow, the animal fat discarded during its beef processing, and also used cooking oil. Once the diesel is produced, the Love's family of companies, which owns and operates truck stops in 41 states, will transport and market the product in the U.S. So, I mean, there's just it, it's like an explosion of options in alternative energy. And who knows where this is going? Because any one of these is, is, is going to be just leaps and bounds better than whatever it is we're doing today that is obviously not sustainable. Okay, so speaking of sustainable, our guest is back. We're going to talk to the Nygards now. Jay and Kaylor joining us again backstage. Are you guys ready? We're going to get back to this. Uh, I got, I got article. it figured out. All right. Beautiful. Yeah. All right, Kaylor, how you doing now? What's uh, so? Where were we? Where were we talking? Uh, we about? were talking about the big wind turbines and how they were, you know, affecting health and that kind of thing. And yeah. what my dad was saying is that they create like really low vibrations that get transmitted through the ground and because they're so large. You know, like those vibrations are really strong, and that's what he was saying. You know, like might be causing the health effects, and then also um, the shadow flicker from them. You know, like they are really huge blades. So if you're right next to one and you're, you know, the sun's coming through, it can kind of mess <laughs> with you kind of like, um, like seizures from. Flicker. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I know I Germany mean, has a law on like how much shadow flicker can happen or something like that. So. Well, yeah, you can give someone a seizure if you, if you're like, if you have a blade going in front of the sun like this and the shadow is, is coming like into their window like that, that could be, it's a weird form of torture, uh, psychological torture on someone. But uh, it seems that all of this, I mean, we talked uh, your dad and I, I think two weeks ago about uh, tidal power, uh, so ocean water power and turbines, but that that mechanism can be a lot safer and that these idea of fans compared to the vertical turbines, as you mentioned, when they, when they're, when they're arranged in, in, in sequence and series, right. in the wind, yep. that they get even more efficient. Yeah. Yeah. That was from Oxford Brooks university in England. Um, and that was done with the supercomputer um, is they ran all the math calculations and whatnot and compared the two. And they found, you know, about a 15% um, benefit. Um, I don't know exactly what that means. I have to really dive more into the study and get my hands on it and hopefully get a hold of the professor who did it. That would be the most awesome. Get him talking with my dad, you know, and really hammering stuff out, um, you know, because I, I have a feeling that they didn't use the high bot wind turbines um, from looking at like uh, the pictures that were shown and whatnot. Um, so I, I want to see what turbine they used, um, and like really what the math was behind it to get at that number of 15% benefit. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it seems that there's also, uh, an unnecessary placement near residential areas. Like why even do that? Can't you have, you know, wind farms and long cables bring, I, I would imagine that you wouldn't have wind like except for for what we're doing where we have a wind turbine on a house as like the house being an independent off-grid unit that aside from that if you are doing massive wind project 
you would have wind farms that would be, I, I don't know, how is, is there a practical limit to like loss of power over distance if you have giant cables to transmit that power? Because I would have imagined that like if, if you were trying to wind power LA, you wouldn't put turbines all around, you know, the city. You would put them, you know, in a valley where, where wind is channeled, where there isn't any residents. There isn't any significant wildlife threat. It would be out of the way and you would just pipe that power back in, no? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. You know, I know that there is power loss and I think it's, you know, like 50, 100, 200, 500 miles that they talk about that. And I do know that like when the farther away you are from the power source, the dirtier the energy comes. So it doesn't maintain its frequency as well. Um, so like we actually noticed that um, when we switch from solar or I mean, from just using the grid energy to solar, um, our garage door actually ran smoother. The washing machine ran smoother. So like actually your appliances will run better because the frequency, you know, is uh, steady the whole way and clean. So, mm. you know, um, that's something that really isn't taken into account, um, you know, and really like the biggest user of energy is really like these big industrial plants and whatnot. And yeah, we can definitely feed them um, from far away. And um, I, I know that they're talking about building uh, big transmission lines from Wyoming out to California to try and feed them that way and use all that wind energy out there. Um, so, uh, so we had we had so Kaylor, we had a question earlier about like because people who, who saw our uh, installation here, it's a uh, G me on Facebook encasing the wind turbine in concrete doesn't reduce the vibrations. Um, I guess it would, um, you know, but the big ones, they just, they have so much energy that they're producing, you know, like it, we're talking megawatts. And so, you know, that is, there are vibrations coming off that. And as far as I know, they don't have the isolation dampeners that the vertical axis wind turbines do. So, yeah, you know, I, I, th I think that's part of it. And they're, yeah, it's so large and not having that dampener, you know, I think it's still going to somewhat spread out through there. Um, and you know, that's kind of what the concern is from what I've heard. So, um, yeah, so you know, first, I'm sure domino, first domino ways in here, this is an interesting topic. I wonder what kind of geometry they're using when placing these things beside each other to make them more efficient, what pattern. And I think what Kaylor pointed out is that they're just starting to understand and study with the, no, uh, the more efficient vertical turbines as opposed to the blade ones. I've seen those, you know, you drive the 40 from here into LA and you pass uh, you know, there's this a stretch where there's a, a big cluster of them kind of in a valley where it looks like the wind would be channeled. But the, 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 they seem just kind of randomly laid out sometimes, sometimes in a line, sometimes on a ridge, sometimes in a valley. Uh, but it sounds like a lot of this is just sort of uh, over eager, you know, green leftist, shitty urban planning where they're like, and, and probably some unscrupulous, uh, you know, developer going, yeah, I can put in a wind farm for you and make you look really good politically. And then it's it's old technology. It's it's the big fan that's not done with proper distance or layout. And it, it's, it's really just kind of sad that uh, we are experiencing this technological leap or these leaps and possibilities while under a government system that leads to such misallocations. Nicholas, Canada, keep turbines far away from residential areas. Yeah, unless you have like the small one 
that's just for your property, just there. And even like, we don't have a problem with noise. But Kayla, before uh, before we let you go, did you want to talk about your uh, your party run for state chair? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So um, you know, there's been a little bit of drama uh, with that. So um, what happened is uh, we have a conference and a convention um, at a hotel, and it's been restricted due to COVID. And you know, personally, me, I think that we should have been using that as an opportunity to protest the COVID restrictions. Say, hey, we're libertarians. You know, let's either go to South Dakota, Wisconsin, Iowa, something like that. You know, and kind of have like a rebel thing saying, you know, we have to even go out of our state to have freedom. You know, what's wrong with our state? Or we go to a family farm or something and go beyond the limits and you know do it that way. Um, and what ended up happening is people who wanted to go to the convention and vote aren't able to because there's no um, online, there's no booth, there's no way for them to vote. So it's capped at a certain amount. And, you know, um, that's actually in violation of the bylaws. And um, somebody mm-hmm. pointed that out in the Mises caucus. And then, um, like, the people who currently control the state, you know, like Chris Holbrook and um, his friends. Um, you know, I don't have anything against Chris. You know, I'm not going to say that. I just think I have something different that I bring to the table. Um, and, you know, uh, when that was pointed out, people just kind of went into the meltdown thinking that we're there to, like, destroy the convention and cost the party a bunch of money. And that's not what it was about. It was just about, you know, everybody getting the chance to vote. And um, I found it kind of funny because they were being sticklers for a 45 day rule that you have to be a part of the party for 45 days um, before you could uh, run for office in the party or vote. And, you know, I I found it funny that they were being sticklers on one part of the rules and then they don't want to on another, you know, that kind of benefits them. And, you know, Mm -hmm. me as a libertarian, I'm not a huge rule stickler. Um, I understand why we have rules and, you know, um, I'm not worried about some, you know, uh, you know, alt right or far left right now coming in and taking over the party. That's really what that 45 day rule for is for. And, you know, all the people who want to vote have been long term um, uh, libertarians. For example, uh, my good friend, Mark, uh, he was my dad's campaign manager in 2016. He just went through brain surgery. So he could, he had zero ability to sign up for this convention. And then after he got out of surgery, he saw all the tickets were gone, you know, and he would have been one of my uh, greatest supporters there at the convention. So, um, you know, there is some disenfranchisement, you know, has been kind of what the talk has been about, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how do we deal with this in an amenable manner for everybody? Yeah. Yeah. No. So that I, I think, you know, when I first heard about this, I was skeptical because you are light on experience within the party. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are a lot of good, you know, young, ambitious Libertarian Party activists who go, yeah, I don't like what the chair's doing. I can do a better job. Let's put it to a vote. And that's awesome that you have that, uh, you know, that, that, that wherewithal to jump in and raise the issue. And I think, uh, you know, Chris Holbrook, Holbrook has got, got some pretty serious time in and, uh, you know, been a, a, a fair steward of the party. And I like your attitude. And I think it's really important that you come in with that, you know, hey, with all due respect, I would like to raise this issue. We're going to use the chairs race as the venue. And I am offering myself as a serious alternative if the party wants to take on this different strategic direction. And I I think that unique 
to the Libertarian Party, we have really wonderful examples of of inter-party uh, fighting. And we're, we're all, we all wring our hands so much about it. Like, oh, you disagree? I have to decide which one of you is going to be better as a chair. What if you say bad things about the other libertarian? You know, yeah. it's like, you know, Reagan's got that, what is that first rule of Republic? Thou shalt not speak ill of other Republicans. And it's that bullshit tribalism. You look at the Democrats, the Republicans, the infighting, the factionalism, the corruption, they have no holds barred, even in inter-party shit and it, or intra-party. And it's uh, it, we we are way too self-conscious about this in the LP. I'm I'm actually really encouraged to see uh, to see someone like you jumping in, uh, you know, with with that healthy attitude and encouraging that within the LP. It makes the party better and stronger. So. Um, we might come back to this. Maybe we'll have Chris on. Certainly, we would have to say, in the interest of journalistic fairness now, we would give Chris a chance to respond. But, Kaylor, I, I do say I, I, I do think I am with you on the issue here of uh, the attitude towards COVID. And it's not that uh, you have to condemn any particular strategy. could be right for the party in one state and wrong for the party in another state. And I just attended a wonderful convention in Wisconsin. Uh, congratulations to the new chair, Tony Moen, and uh, all the new officers in, in the state of Wisconsin who are going to be great stewards of the party there. And they went to a hotel in Eau Claire where they had pretty serious restrictions. But the hotel agreed to say, you know what, in your space that you're renting, we're not going to be uh, or we're not going to be harsh about it. And so. They were able to strike a really uh, a, a successful balance for their convention. So, Kaylor, um, uh, any any final thoughts on the race or anything you want to share? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I just want to view it. You know, like there has been that takeover language that's been coming from the Mises caucus. And some people kind of view that as like an aggressive, like we're an army coming to take over. And I more view it as like we're driving an RV across the country. And, you know, Chris Holbrook, he's been at it for 10 hours. And it's like, hey, dude, I'm here to offer to take over for you. You know, like I will take over. I'll start driving, you know, and like, hey, you know, if I start swerving and stuff, tap me on the shoulder and I'll, I'll bounce out of there. But, you know, I'm the reinforcements. You know, we're all on the same RV. We're all on the Liber Liberty bus. And, you know, that's really what brings us together. So, you know, competition breeds excellence. So I'm really looking towards Saturday. Very appropriately dorky analogy for the LP. <laughs> well done, sir. All right. Thanks for yep. joining us, Kayla. Appreciate it. Yep. See ya. All right. 15 minutes left in the show, and we still have at least 15 headlines here so without further ado daily news by the way keep your alien i don't think we have any good alien greetings yet to win our comment contest for the day couple, couple? all couple. right couple contenders maybe but they're both producers but, club members already i mean i know our producers club is awesome but um nobody's stepping up to to try to beat them how do we greet the aliens when they what's, show up in gardenia what's the protocol first all right, daily news at yahoo.com. Studied newly revealed Mars glacier could support human exploration. Yeah, Mars is slowly revealing its secrets in a new study of its terrain done 170 million miles away here on Earth. has unveiled an anomalous glacier 
on a flat plain akin to those found in Antarctica, and it could someday support humans. Yeah, cool. Also, uh, really, I guess this is kind of old the way I'm doing it in this order, but the AP had this headline. Fun story, 60 years since first American in space. Tourists lining up. 60 years after Alan Shepard became the first American in space, everyday people are on the verge of following in his cosmic footsteps. So this talks about Jeff Bezos' Blue Origin, Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic, and Elon Musk's Space SX. Why do I keep saying Space S? The three big players in private space exploration now, years later. Now to a fun, random, really, really random. I guess another fish story. Another big fish. Big fish story. How it was this big. Goodnewsnetwork.org. 79-year-old diver and this fish have been BFFs. For nearly 30 years, he nursed her back to health. What? Yeah, and this is just crazy. Look at the picture. Look at the picture of that funky looking thing. The fish is pretty cool looking too. In fishing lore, tall tales abound, whether it's the one that got away or the one that jumped right into the boat. Pretty much every story involves a fisherman catching a fish, not the other way around, but in a plot line straight out of Disney, an adorable aquatic denizen of Japan's Tateyama Bay has captured one man's heart in a friendship that's lasted close to three decades. Yoriko, an Asian sheep's head wrasse, Kobudai, in Japanese, first met scuba diver Hiroyuki Arakawa nearly 30 years ago when he was supervising the construction of an underwater Shinto temple gate 56 feet beneath the surface of the bay, because the Japanese do that kind of thing, underwater Shinto Temple Gate. Can we get that story? Arakawa started diving at 18, now 79. He still loves his sojourns into the deep water. His long-standing kinship with Yoriko is certainly one of the highlights. Quote, I'd say we understand each other, Arakawa said in an interview for Great Big Story. Not that we talked to each other. I kissed her once. I'm the only person she'll let do it. <laughs> so you think. Over time, the fish with an almost human-looking face, when you look really close, you'll think she looks like someone you know, Arakawa jokes. And her human companion become became UWBF's BFF's underwater best friends forever. Yeah, and on one dive, he noticed uh, her mouth was injured, and still she came to greet him. So he spent the next 10 days hand-feeding her meat from crabs, he hammered open for her because she couldn't eat. That's crazy. So she bounced back from her injuries, and uh, they seem to grow an even stronger bond. That is a crazy-looking fish. Crazy, crazy-looking fish. Sheep's head wrasse. Beautiful, beautiful, amazing story. Studyfinds.org. This back to the robots and the sex bots. Yeah. Speaking of touching... Being touched by a humanoid robot makes people happier, more likely to listen to machines. If the machines touch you, you will be more obedient. Does a reassuring pat on the back bring you comfort during a tough day? A new study finds when it comes to touching, people aren't even picky about who's doing the touching. Researchers in Germany say the touch of a humanoid robot makes people happier and more likely 
to follow their requests instead of being reliant on other humans. Researchers are hoping that one day robots may be able to fulfill the role of therapists, personal trainers, and even life coaches. And one day, those robots will be touching you from inside your brain. Too unique. Florida can't have sex robots. Okay. Uh, ScienceAlert.com. Mystery of deadly last resort antibiotic finally solved after 70 years in the eternal arms race. Between bacteria and antibiotics, deadly superbugs with resistance, the humanity's most vital life-saving medicines continue to emerge and evolve. We're going to skip that one. Link in the notes if you want to get deep into that. Fun story from goodnewsnetwork.org. How one developer is turning farm storage into soaring yet affordable apartments. Who knows where technology and housing is going, but so much fun creative stuff happening all around the world, all around the flat earth today goodnewsnetwork.org with another phone and floating dandelion seeds produce a vortex not noticed before by scientists mm. who knows we probe the understanding of the small scale where this application of technology will take us cnbc.com goldman sachs internal memo unveils new cryptocurrency trading team yes another step up for crypto with recognition from the big bad Goldman Sachs. Also, goodnewsnetwork.org. Battery parts can be recycled without crushing or melting, saving valuable raw materials. Yeah, next level recycling. Again, innovating our way out of all the pollution problems. And then back into insanity with this next story, also from Good News Network. Brace yourselves. Becoming a part-time mermaid is a big trend in China. It's as difficult as it is lovely. Is it really any surprise that the world's largest scuba diver training organization is instructing a new generation of free divers in the art and techniques of mermaiding? Patty, by the way, I'm, I am a, a Patty certified scuba, Powie and Nowie Professional Association of Diving Instructors or National Association of Underwater Instructors. The aforementioned organization now offers four levels of mermaid diving certification, which is essentially free diving with a large and sometimes heavy artificial tail that requires a different kind of human locomotion. They're, yeah. they're going to die. New kind of synchronized swimming. Well, they're going to die anyway, but look at this. It's Synchronized pretty, I mean, swimming as mermaids. I want to be a mermaid. How can you Everybody argue with that? Except for Ariel, she wanted to be a human. <laughs> right. Technological advancement. Also good news. Network, world's first laundry detergent made from industrial carbon emissions. Launched by Unilever. What? Yeah, even in corporate technology. This is just going to be the yeah, expectation now. Vice.com. We're going to be smoking weeds with lasers. Scientists create record-breaking laser with mind-blowing power. And that mind-blowing power is not smoking weed. The laser pulse's power is comparable to focusing all the sunlight reaching Earth to a spot of 10 microns, the size of a speck of dust. Some scientific achievements are large and flashy, like imposing robots. Well, Others are incredibly small, fast, and nearly invisible. And as a record-breaking laser pulse reported by scientists in a new study shows, even these tiny-sized advances can pack 
a ton of power. Yep, that's what we're doing. All right, dnyuz.com. Meet the other social influencers of the animal kingdom. Julia, her friends and family agreed at style when out of the blue, the 18-year-old chimpanzee began inserting long, stiff blades of grass into one or both ears and then went about her day with her new statement accessories clearly visible to the world. The other chimpanzees and the chimpunchy wildlife at the chimpunchy at the Chimpunchi Wildlife Sanctuary in Zambia, we're dazzled. Show All right, just a couple minutes here. We got to wrap up here. CNBC. I don't know. I guess I had to put this in good news for today. Federal grand jury charges four former Minneapolis cops with violating George Floyd's civil rights. Yep, more fallout from George Floyd and the Chauvin case. So we'll see again the de-escalation. Well, this in and of itself punishment that it had to happen this way. Not good news, but good news for the further de-escalation of the police state. Finally, from GoodNewsNetwork.org, researchers. Not finally, we still got good news in history. Researchers create CRISPR on-off switch to control inherited genetic problems without changing DNA. <clears throat> Scientists have figured out how to modify the unrivaled gene editing tool CRISPR to extend its reach to the epigenome, which controls how genes are switched on or off. Yep, yep, that's what we're doing now, hacking humanity. And now with just a couple minutes left, Joey, do we have a winner in today's comment contest? I think so. I'm not, you know, I don't even have a list in front of me. Is Mike Freeman? He's in the producer's club already. Uh, but this one wins. This one wins, and I think it's going to be a two-parter. First Domino is offering her. <laughs> All right, Mike Freeman, comment contest. Send in at Anthony Ralston. Watch and wait to see if he gets probed. Then take a vote on how to proceed. First Domino, yeah. We will push Anthony into the ship and see what happens. <laughs> Well, first domino is in. If Mike Freeman isn't, congratulations. You're the winner of our comment contest today. Any final thoughts, G.I. Mary Jane? Final thoughts. You guys, you keep you keep killing it on these comment contests. Get your friends in here. I mean, tell your, your homies and your coworkers, your your online FBI agent to uh to join us. We need some we need some new producers club members. All right. Good final thought, Joey. And with that, Jim, take us on with some promos. What's going on? Great show, guys. All kinds of random crazy crap. I like the alien parts. That was fun. Join us, t.me forward slash Adam versus Man. If there was any stories that he didn't get deep enough into that you were really interested in, you can find the link for it there, as always, in the show. That's the public channel that everybody's welcome to. Uh, other than that, the winner of the contest wins access to the private producers club, which can also just be purchased through Adam versus the Man Patreon link. One, five, ten, and fifty dollars a month is our different levels to support the show. Ten dollars a month gets you access to the private producers club, which will then get you fifteen percent off and free shipping on everything in the store. So take advantage of that. Also, a link for Cigar Federation, where you can get exotically flavored cigars, including a CBD infused one. You can use promo code Adam One Zero to get ten percent off your order there. So definitely take advantage of that. Garden of Freedom is putting new content up every day. So check out Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. And go through the pictures and videos make yourself smile because they're all beautiful and wonderful and happy and positive and it's great so check it out instagram at the garden of freedom 
the crypto six these are the code qr codes you can donate cryptocurrencies to those guys the bitcoin church that got raided help them with legal fees and everything they need got going on and the guest today was uh the son of the person who runs this website that we love gogreenenergyonline.com the best website for do-it-yourselfers that want to get themselves self-sustaining and off-grid um with solar power, micro wind power, and zero energy homes. Visit gogreenenergyonline.com. And with that, we go to goodnewsnetwork.org for this day in history. And there's a lot of good news for today in history, but two things that stand out. It was on this day in 1945, General Alfred Jodl, assistant to Hitler's successor, signed Germany's unconditional surrender at Reims, France, ending the Nazi aggression in World War II. End of war. Good news. And technology, good news from this day in 1952, that recently the concept of the integrated circuit, the basis for all modern computers, was first published by Jeffrey W.A. Doomer. And with that, mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.